I want to just say a few words about the fast. Has anybody, have you heard of somebody that has had a spiritual experience that you've never had, but you want to have? Have you ever heard of somebody that has experienced a victory in their life over sin or depression or fear or addiction that you, you want to have? You haven't had it, but you want to have that kind of victory. I want you to hear something. I want you to hear it in your heart. This is Revelation 4.1. John is in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and he hears a voice that sounds like a trumpet. And here's what the voice says. Come up higher. He looks up, and he sees a door open in heaven. Guys, I want to tell you something. There is a door open in heaven. Jesus died to open heaven's door. This is the day where God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons, daughters, men, women, they're going to prophesy. They're going to encounter me. They're going to know me. God is laying out a banquet for us. And here's the amazing thing. You don't have to earn it. You just have to enter it. And so we set these five days aside to fast and pray. Let go of something temporal, something that dominates your time, something may, many of us will be doing food, but do whatever you want to do. Let go of something and come out to these prayer meetings. Either come out physically or come out and, and let's go for God. What do, honestly, what do we have to lose? Let's leave 2020 behind. Let's brush it off. The depression, the fear, the anxiety, the confusion. The, let's just brush that thing off and let's find out what's at God's table for us. Let's go higher. And, and here's, here's the amazing thing. Sometimes when you go higher, God does something so unique in you that you live higher from then on. It's not just that week. You carry it with you all year long and really the rest of your life. And so I want to encourage you to go on this adventure. However you do the fast, some people fast one day a meal. Some people just fast dinner, come out to the meeting, and then eat afterwards. Some people fast this thing, that thing, whatever. Do it between you and God. But I'm encouraging you to do it. Whether you're here or you're online, I'm encouraging you. Let's enter in to what all God has for us in 2021. It's 6.30 to 8 each night, Monday through Friday. Um, we usually have a celebration supper at the end of Friday night. We're still going to have it, but it's going to be, you're going to have to make your own dinner and your own thing at your own home. So we'll still be celebrating though. Okay, could we stand together in honor of God's word? This text is found in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, 9 through 13, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. 
along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, would you fill this place with your glory and your presence? You said you placed an anointing within every believer that would teach them. You can make this personal for every single one of us. I pray that you'd speak. I pray that you would help us to receive all that you have. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we'll give you the glory for every good thing that happens. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this morning's message is called City Church, a Hospital. Every January, we do the four values of City Church. They're on the back of the bulletin. We don't have bulletins right now, but come as you are, connect with God, connect with people, and contend for more of God's presence. The church has been ordained by God to be four different things at the same time. We have been called to be a hospital that embraces all people. That's come as you are. We have been called to be a family that adopts people who come to Christ. That's connect with God. We've been called to be a school that teaches us how to walk in Christ together. That's connect with people. And then finally, we've been called to be an army that confronts this world with the word and presence of God. That's contend for more of his presence. Now, here's the funny thing about it. Every one of us is so designed spiritually that we will value one of these four more than the other. That the church should be a hospital. And we got somebody else with just as much energy. No, no, the church needs to be an army. And somebody else, no, no, church needs to be a school. Equal energy. Different perspectives. Different values. Now, when that happens, one of two things can happen. One, we, we can end up in pride, alienating ourselves from a church and just to have, find a church that's doing it just how we think it should be. That is called unity through uniformity. I can only be with people that see it just like I see it. That's what pride does. Pride can only be unified if you agree with me and you value the same things I value in the same way. That's, that's pride. Or the plan of God is absolutely that you would voice and have a voice in the body of Christ for what God has put in you. God wants you to have that voice. But for you in humility to recognize that everybody's not exactly like you. Everybody doesn't value the same thing you value. And to recognize that if we're going to see the fullness of Jesus, we have to be all four. 
We have to make room for each other's values. We need, to, we need to be all four of these things at the same time. And God is the one who made the tension of these four values. So that, why? So that we would learn how to value one another, to love one another, to make room for one another. It's unity, not through uniformity, but unity through diversity. That was the plan of God. And so we're going to do each one of these values and how City Church needs to be all four of these at the same time. So today is City Church, a hospital. All right, now we're on to point two. Come as you are. I just love this. I love this about Jesus. I love this about this church. It's on the sign, come as you are. It's on our website, come as you are. Here's, here's the amazing truth. God loves us right now as is. You don't have to perform. You don't have to pretend. This isn't something you earned. God loves you right now. It's amazing. The Bible says in our text that Jesus saw Matthew. He saw him sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, tax collectors worked for Rome and they were considered to be traitors to Judaism. That's why they were treated like scum is because all anybody else could see was traitor. That is a traitor. That is, no one else could look him in the eye. But Jesus saw him and he goes to him and he says, Matthew, follow me. And Matthew got up, left everything, and followed him. What was in that look? Are you kidding me? Maybe it was the first person that had really seen Matthew. What did Jesus see when he saw Matthew? It says in, in, in Matthew chapter 9 that Jesus saw the multitudes, and when he saw them, compassion filled his heart and he turns to his disciples and he said he said they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd he saw somebody that needed a shepherd somebody that needed someone to lead him somebody that was confused and in darkness and walking around and he saw that in matthew what else did he see in matthew well it's very interesting if you read luke's gospel you find out that Matthew's name wasn't Matthew. <laughs> His name was Levi. He was one of those guys that got a name change from Jesus. Jesus renamed him Matthew. You know what Matthew means? It means the gift of God. Matthew won't even use his original name. He's, Jesus gave him a new name. He's using that name in his gospel. He doesn't even reference himself as Levi. I am the gift of God. Where other people saw a traitor, where other people saw a sinner, where other people just saw the outside, Jesus saw value in Matthew. He was God's gift. Did you know that that's how God sees you? God knows about the brokenness. God knows about the problems. God knows about the sin. God knows about all of that. But he sees past that to the value that he has created you to be and redeemed you to be. Last week, I was on my way back from church. 
And coming down, we live in McFarland, coming down Marsh Road, there was somebody broken down on the side of the road. The hood was up and somebody was limping towards the, the home nearby. And so I, I drove past, turned around, came back, and um, he walked up to this house. So I, I, I really didn't know what I was doing, but I pulled into the driveway of this house that he had pulled, pulled into. And so he, the, the woman had answered the door. He's chatting with her. So I come out of the car. They look at me like, what are you doing and who are you? And I said, hey, I, I see, you, I see you're, you're, you're uh, stopped there and broken down, and is there some way I could help? And, and she, he had just asked her for jumper cables, and they didn't have any. I said, I, I said, I can get you some jumper cables. Come on, let's do this. And so uh, I actually had to go back to the house to get the jumper cables, came back and got my, my van right in front of his car. And by this time, there's a second guy there. A second guy was in the in the car too, and um, the first guy, guy's name is Jimmy, and, uh, and Jimmy, Jimmy is, Jimmy's just rough, Jimmy is like, he, he, he's, when I come back, and we got the jumper cables hooked up, and he says, you are the blankety, blankety, blankety nicest guy I've ever met, <laughs> it just, just, just comes out of him, just, and, uh, and so, we, we, we jump the car, and I'm, you know, they, they, we shut the hoods, and I get into my van, and they put it in drive, and it kills. And so we open up the hoods again, we, we re-jump, we, we're re, but now there's a squad car there with, with his lights on. And when the squad car pulls up, this other guy, who I never got his name, says to Jimmy, hey man, I don't have a license, I should not have even been driving. This is, this is really bad. And I'm like, mm, this is bad. This is definitely bad. And so um, we, we jump the car again, and now we have three squad cars. There are, there are squad cars on both sides. We got, we got police everywhere, and um, same exact thing happens. They puts it in drive, it, 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 it dies again. And so we get out and we have a little counsel of what we're, we're going to do. And the policeman's there and he says, you, you can't leave it on the side of the road. Uh, uh, and so what if, we, what, if we, what if we put it in that parking lot? There was, a, there was an ice skating rink right there. And could we put it in? He said, yep. He said, you could, as long as you get it off the road, you're, you're fine. And apparently police, police, they... They, they can't, like, help you. They can intervene. They can tell you what to do, but they can't be part of that solution. So Jimmy and I push this car a block and get it into the, the ice skating rink parking lot. The police are fine with that. They take off. Jimmy is like, I, the reason why I was even in the car, I need a, I need a ride to Denny's. I, my, my keys to my apartment got left at Denny's. I need a, a ride there. Can you take? I'm like, I'll take you to Denny's. No problem. You are the blankety blank nicest guy I've ever met. <laughs> so, so, we get, so we get into the car together. This other guy's got his dog there. He's fine. He's going he's gonna to get his own solution for the car. But, um, and I get to hear Jimmy's story. He was a Marine for eight years. He had MS, and the MS got bad enough that he was on disability now, and he had rented this apartment in McFarland, and um, 
and and then that spilled into his he had two divorces and every just everything about Jimmy was broken 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 and we, so we stopped at Danny's he goes and gets his keys and and we're heading our way back and he asked me about me what about you who are you and I'm like oh I'm a pastor <laughs> So that didn't stop him. So he went into his theology and, you know, God is, every, is in everything. And I'm like, bro, it's not quite like that. God is separate from everything he's made. And he is present everywhere, omnipresent. But the place his presence is manifest, the connecting point, is Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for us, Jimmy. Jesus, Jimmy's like, I believe in Jesus. I absolutely believe in Jesus. He said, what church do you go to? I tell him, he says, I want to come there sometime. <laughs> I'm great. So we, we, get back, we get to his apartment, and he's just broken every way, including financials. I give him some money. I say, bro, can I have a prayer for you? He's like, yeah, absolutely. And so I get a chance to pray with Jimmy. See, Jesus loves Jimmy. Jimmy doesn't see somebody just broken, somebody just, uh, just desperate. Je Jesus sees people that need him. He's, he loves them. He, 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 there are people, guys, that are broken down, that are all around us in different ways. Maybe they're not so visibly broken down that you can see them, but they're broken down everywhere. And this is what God's, is on God's heart. He feels compassion for them because he sees value in every human being. Come as you are. But to get help from Jesus, we must come, and we must come as sinners. Turns out the human race is sick with something called sin. Every human being has this disease. But the only ones that can be helped and can be forgiven are the ones that will own, I am sick. I need help. Jesus says, I can't help those who think they're healthy. I can't help those who are, are, are trying to convince themselves and everybody else that they don't need anything. I can only help those that own their sin. Jesus is the friend of sinners. And he says it is the sick who need a physician. Now let me tell you something about a physician. When somebody goes to the hospital, doctors don't judge them for being sick. The reason why doctors diagnose patients isn't to condemn them, it's to heal them. I want to di I diagnose you because what a doctor is thinking about is healing. How can we get you past this sickness? I am thinking about healing. That's what a, a hospital is. That, that when, when, when God brings us together, he is not condemning us. He is not judging us. He knows everything. He sees everything. But what's on his mind is healing. Redemption. This is how God sees all those that come to him. But you do have to come to him. You, we do have to come 
as sinners. This is how a human being gets saved, by acknowledging their need for a Savior. Jesus is a great physician. Not only do we, must we come as sinners, but as Christians, we need to come back to him as sinners. Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we have the picture of the risen Christ dealing with his church. And it turns out the church is sick. Five of those churches are very sick. And, but Jesus comes, Jesus comes as the great physician, and he calls them out of hiding. M- mankind has been hiding ever since Adam and Eve. And God says, where are you? You have to identify where you are. God is looking for you. And it turns out the early church was hiding. One church was hiding in religion. Did you know you can hide from God in religion? Isn't that weird? You can be really religious and be actually hiding from actually encountering God by religion. One, one church is hiding in fear. One church is hiding in compromise. One church is hiding in pride and masking it with complacency. But Jesus sees each one. He diagnoses each one. And he has a solution for each one. Because that's who he is. That's what he wants to do. So in 2009, I was sick. But I didn't know it. I was sick spiritually. And I was sick physically. Many of you have heard this story. Please bear with me. I tried not to share it, but I really felt like the Lord wanted me to share this story again. It's 2009. I'm a pastor. I'm pastoring a Mad City church at the time. And I am in a hurry because I'm late for a meeting that I have to be at. It's the pastor's meeting. It happens to be held right here at Lake City Church. And I'm five minutes late, so I, I turn in at the school, and then w- once you come in through the school, there's a, a, a way to get into the church lot, but that, that way is covered with cones. So to get into the building, I'm going to have to go back out to the street and use the other exit to get in. But I'm late, and I'm in a hurry. And I look around, and no one's watching. And I see that I can sneak around these cones and it is going to be, this is the spring, so it's going to leave a little dent in the grass, but I need to be at this meeting. So I I sneak around the, the cones and the maintenance man of the church, Tim Knudsen, or one of the maintenance guys, appears out of the parking lot like an apparition. Now, the, the very, very worst person that can catch you going around the cones is the person that set those cones up. And so I, I see Tim. I know Tim. I am, I am going to... I'm caught, man. I'm going to apologize. So I put the window down to, to apologize. Tim is having absolutely none of it. He's like, you leaders. He said, let me ask you this. If leaders can't follow the rules, then how will everybody else? And he said, and you don't think it's going to make any difference. You don't think any damage has been done. Let me tell you something. You left tread marks in the grass, and the next person, it's going to be easier for the next person to go over the grass because you went over the grass. And then Tim just walks away, and I'm just like, there's no way to make this right. I'm just, I put the window up, I 
I, I get a parking spot before I even turn it off. I get a one-word sermon from the Holy Spirit. And the word, and it just, it starts inside of me, but it's just, it's very loud. And the word is this. Stop. A couple things become, I become aware of things. Just right then. That I have become spiritually sick. Oh, I'm pastoring. I, pre I preach on Sunday. I'm preaching on to the youth group. I'm doing special meetings. I'm going to pastor's meetings. No one else knows I'm sick, but I am, I am dealing in fear and insecurity. The other, the, uh, our church had split, and the other church is growing, and ours was shrinking, and I was just doing everything, and I'm, I'm, I'm operating out of insecurity. And did you know that when you do things out of insecurity, did you know that you empower insecurity more? The more you act in fear, the greater fear grows. And so, but nobody else knows I'm in this. I'm preaching the same stuff. I'm doing all the stuff. I'm covering all the bases. But I'm spiritually sick. And there's something else going on that no one else knows. Exactly like my spiritual sickness that I have covered through busyness. I've used busyness. To, how many know that busyness is one place to hide? You can hide from people and you can hide from God in busyness. Just stay busy. Keep busy. Keep busy. Keep busy. Get, get something on. Get music on. Get a TV on. I'm, I'm going to keep myself busy so I don't have to be alone with myself and God. Well, just like I'm veiling this spiritual sickness, I've got something growing on my stomach. No one knows about it because it's covered all the time. When it first appeared, I thought it was a pimple. And I tried to pop it. Couldn't pop it. Then it turned from red to white, and it was getting bigger, and it was hardening, and it was getting more painful. My response to stop was two things. I told God right then, I'm going to go down to Kansas City for three days. I'm just going to sit in the house of prayer. And I'm going to call a doctor today and find out what this is. <clears throat> so I go into the doctor and they do a biopsy on it. It turns out it's cancer. Skin cancer, melanoma. And they set up a time to operate on it. And so I go on my day of appointment and I trust this doctor. And she puts me under. And she goes in, and she gets the cancer out. And a week later, I go back, and she takes the stitches out, and the cancer is removed. Spiritually, I go down to Kansas City, and very much the same thing happens. I'm down there not to judge anything, not to worry about anybody else. I'm not thinking about the church, not worried about the church or the other church or who's coming or who's going. This is just me and Jesus getting my heart back right again. Only Jesus can do it. Guys, I couldn't, physically, I could not operate on myself. I didn't even know how to know what was exactly wrong. I wasn't sure what was wrong. I needed a surgeon. I needed a physician to do 
for me what I could not do for myself. And I needed the same thing spiritually. Jesus is the great physician. He knows what's wrong, and he knows what needs to be done to make it right. So why am I telling this story? Why did, why did the Lord insist that I tell this story? Because some of you, you love the Lord, you love Jesus, you've been a Christian, but you're sick. How do you know you're sick? Oh, there's lots of symptoms. Have you, ever, have you ever been sick? You don't know what it is, but you've got all kinds of signs that something's wrong with me. I've got a fever, or I've got this, or I can't eat, or, or, or I'm all clogged up, and I don't really know exactly what's wrong, but I know something is wrong because there are symptoms. What are symptoms that I am spiritually sick as a Christian? Well, like when you can't even barely sing the song, words of the song, because it's so far from your experience. You're all I want. You're all I need. You're my consuming passion. Is that true anymore? Are you passionate about Jesus? Because that's your healthy state, is passion for Jesus. When you're bored with church, when you're bored for, with worship, when you're thinking about what you're going to do next, well, that's just a sign of sickness. I'm spiritually sick. When, when, you, when you're living your real life under fear or under addiction or under lust or under anger and that's what you're living with 24-7 and you come to church and put your best clothes on and, you know, God, I love you. That's, that's sickness, guys. That's spiritual sickness. I got good news for you. There's a great physician. He knows, he knows exactly what's wrong. And all you need to do is come. And, and some of you are hearing this word, this one word sermon from the Holy Spirit. Stop. What a great time to stop the beginning of the year. Stop. Come out this week. Come out to these five nights and put yourself before the great physician. You know, sometimes we are drive through Americans, aren't we? We like to bring that to our Christianity. Jesus, if there's something wrong, tell me. I'm on my way. I, I'm, I, the car's still running. You know what? Sometimes it takes a little time to get better. Sometimes it takes time in the presence of God for God to show you. God will diagnose you, and then he will make you own the diagnosis. He does not operate without consent. <laughs> he, but let me tell you this. He's got great bedside manner. He, honestly, he'll sit with you, he'll love you, he'll talk you through it, he's kind. I, I, I've, I've found no more gentle being in the entire universe than God. He's so good, but he will not spare the knife. He'll tell you what it's, this is going to hurt. <laughs> but listen, see what happens is sometimes people think, I'm so defined by my fear or by my anger or by my lust or by my, by my addiction uh, that, that is there anything left? If I didn't have this, who would I even be? Listen. The only thing Jesus is going to do with that scalpel is take out what's killing you. He wants to heal you. He wants to save you. He wants to show you the real you. Don't worry. There's a real you that he created, that he loves. He created you to be forgiven and to be filled with his Holy Spirit for you and him to live in union. 
There is a real you. Do not be afraid of the operation. He's very careful. He uses that scalpel, just like that woman did that operated me, and just to get the cancer out so that I could live long and be healed. That's the goodness of God to you. That's what he wants. If God is saying, stop, please stop. Please receive a new beginning from heaven. Let's get healed. Amen. All right, last point. Spiritual EMTs. An EMT is an emergency medical technician. These are people that go, they, they take the hospital out into the streets. Some people need treatment right now before they get to the hospital and somebody has to go to them and has to be equipped enough to deal with that situation right now. EMT, emergency medical technicians. If you become more trained, you're called a paramedic. Paramedics do the same thing. They take the hospital out of the hospital to the people. So, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, no, none of the religious people had any trouble with Jesus saving the lost. If the lost come and the lost repent, then Jesus will save them. But they had a lot of problem with him seeking the lost. So the context of this is it's Luke chapter 19 and Jesus is walking along and there's this guy named Zacchaeus. Well, Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector. He's like the head of the corrupt system. And he's up in a tree because he's short of stature so that he can see Jesus. And Jesus stops at the tree and he says, Zacchaeus calls him by name and says, today I need to have lunch with you. I need to go to your house to have lunch. Well, in that culture, that's a way of giving acceptance. And the Bible says that everybody grumbled. In our text in Matthew, just the Pharisees grumble. In, in Luke 19, everybody's grumbling. His disciples are, shouldn't do this. This is wrong. This is endorsing sin. This is, this is being soft on sin. And Zacchaeus gets down to the ground and he says this. Lord, if I have cheated anybody, I'm going to pay them back four times what I took from them. And Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this house for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Did you know that God's kindness leads people to repentance? Crazy. His kindness leads people to repentance. We are called to bring the kindness of God to other people. So last summer, during the race riots, the, the, the African Council of Churches with the political group Black Lives Matter had a march to the Capitol. And I was asked by a pastor in our region if, if I would march. I invited our whole leadership team and most of them came with me. And we marched to the Capitol. And some people at church were not happy about that. 
And people sent me emails and, you know, you're endorsing Black Lives Matters. You're, 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 this is, this is, you do know, even know what they're about, what they're for. And, and, and some came in to see me. And, and I, I, I just told everyone personally or over email, listen, I didn't go down there to march to judge anybody's politics or to agree with anyone's politics. I went down there to march because these people are hurting and I want to listen. I, I want to feel them. I want to feel what they're feeling. We all know the statistics in Dane County that, that there's a tremendous disparity between white and black in Dane County. It's the worst in the nation right here. But it's one thing to know statistics, another thing to feel what they're feeling. So I didn't go down there to, to, to make any type of political statement or judge anything. I just, we just went down there to be with them, to walk with them, and to feel what they're feeling. We got to the end of the march at the Capitol, and there were five ladies that spoke. They were all angry. But that was fine. I wanted to, I wanted to know why they were angry. I wanted to feel life the way they felt life. And we came back here and we, we, we decided to start this cultural council and, and we've been meeting every once a month for the last six months and um, these, th this group is amazing. These are a lot of my, I feel like it's like my small group in the church right now. Most, most of them are people of color. We got a, a couple pastors on there, Pastor Sarah, uh, Pastor Nate, and Aunt, Pastor Andrew are on there. Um, and we're, and we're talking about race and we're talking about how people feel and how they feel about city church and our culture here. And here is the mission statement the group came up with. The mission of the council is to be a catalyst to help our community better express our diversity and connect with God and each other so that everyone feels at home. I want people of every race to be able to say, this is my church, not this is their church. Not this is, I go to their church. I go to Pastor Tom's church. I want everybody to be able to say, I go to my church. I'm welcome there. That's my home. And I want, I want us to remove every barrier, some barriers I didn't even know existed, so that this is a place where people feel at home. Here's, here's what I don't want to be, guys. I don't want to be the Levite and the priest that are doing their religious thing while there's somebody knocked out on the side of the road hurting, crying out. And we're doing our religious thing and we never pass. We, ne we, we never encounter each other. I don't want to be that. I, I want to know how people of color are suffering. And, and I, I, I want us to help lift that cross. All right, the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Romans 13, 8, we're almost done. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. So I don't like being in debt. 
I, not even for like a day. I, I, if, I've, if somebody had to loan me something, I want to pay them back. My biggest fear is that I won't pay them back. And so I, I want to pay my debts. I want to, I want to be clear of debts. And uh, if I owe something, I want, I want to own it and I want to pay it. But it's interesting because there's two ways that you could owe somebody. One way is if they have loaned something to you, then you are in their debt until you pay it back. Now this is how the world loves each other. You have us to dinner, we need to have you to dinner. You sent us a card, we need to send you a card. You, you, you rub our back, we need to rub your back. You're kind to us, we'll try to be kind to you. There's this, there's this give and take, and that's usually how the world relates to one another. But there's another way that you can be in debt or owe somebody. And that is, if someone else has given you something to give to somebody else. You can say to be in their debt until you've delivered what was entrusted to you, until you've delivered it to them. This is FedEx. You give something, I put something in the mail to FedEx that is going to be delivered to you. FedEx owes that to you until it's delivered. They are in your debt until that is delivered. They're delivering something on my behalf. So let me explain how Christianity works. John 13, 34. Jesus says this. A new command I give you. As I have loved you, love one another. I have given you my love. Not just for you, but to deliver to the human race. So now on my behalf, deliver my love to everybody that you see, everybody you meet. I want them to know that I love them, and, but I'm giving you my love, and now you give it to them. Well, what if they don't treat me good? It, 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 it makes no difference. You're not paying them back because they loved you. You've received love from God, and now it's your job to deliver that love to every human being, whether they're sinful, whether you th- approve of their lifestyle, whether you, you think they're good people, bad people, whether they're family, whether it's your mother-in-law, whoever it is, you owe love to all people. And you say, Pastor Tom, I don't know how to do it. That's fine. It's fine if you don't know how to do it. God will help you. God will help you figure that out. I just want you to know you're responsible to do it. This, this is what Christianity is. You know what the next verse says? This is how they'll know you're my disciples. <laughs> this, is, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. That you are loved by God freely, and now you owe a debt of love to the entire human race. And so we go out, and we're carriers of God's love. And God's showing us how to love people. You start out as an EMT. 
Every single Christian, if you have been saved by Jesus Christ, you are already an emergency medical technician. You know the love of God. You know that God saved you. You've got a story to tell. You can help lost people that are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd by telling your story, by just telling what God's done for you. You are already an EMT. Now, some of us, as you get trained and you get discipled, that's what church is about. Church is about getting trained and filled. Why? So that we can all become paramedics. So we can become better at this thing. So we can be more gifted and bring more power, bring more spiritual gifts, bring more discernment, learn new ways to serve, more, know the gospel better so that we have more to give. But what I want you to see is that God's plan is not just that we get people in this building because this is the hospital and we get them here and Pastor Tom will love them and save them and no, no, no. No, this is the training place for the hospital. And then we get sent out and we take the hospital to them. I, the worship team can come on up. So I'm going to just give you one last story and we're going we're gonna to sing a song and then we're going to have communion. Um, so when the pandemic started, do you remember the beginning of the pandemic? We were all really locked down. We didn't know how bad it was. We didn't, everybody's afraid to leave their house and... Um, and, and so we were all looking for things to watch on TV. And I, we've got a DVR, and I came across this channel that was having reruns of the show Touched by an Angel. Touched by an Angel ran from 1994 to 2003. There were 211 episodes, and it, it was always one of my favorite shows. And so I, I'm recording and re-watching all of these Touched by an Angel's. Let me tell you about what the, what the story is. So there is this angel named Monica, played by Roma Downey, and she is given cases from heaven um, for angelic intervention. And so what she does in every program is she appears as a human being. And she comes to people that are at a crossroads in their life. They're usually in crisis. They're usually in a lot of pain. They, there either has been a death or a divorce or some type of brokenness. And oftentimes, the person she's friends with is somebody no one else wants to be friends with because they're so rough and they're so just filled with anger or hurt or pain and nobody knows what to do. So she comes alongside them and she just is their friend. And they keep... They, they, they push her away, push her away, but she just keeps loving them and, it, and, and the, it just, it's just the kindness of God. And then, and then sometime during the show, always my favorite part, she will start glowing and it will be revealed that she's, she said, I'm an angel from God. I've been sent by God. And it's funny how people respond to that. Many times people get very, very angry. Don't tell me about God. Where was God when my baby died? Where was God when, when this happened? Where was God when this And then she'll say with just incredible gentleness, God was there. God's angels were there. God has never stopped loving you. God has been there at every part of your life. And sometimes people don't get better. They just reject it and they go on in their bitterness. But many times people, at least one in every show, gets healed by the love of God that's expressed through her. If you want to see what it looks like to be a spiritual EMT, honestly, watch Touch by an Angel. 
Just watch it. Watch how she loves people. Watch her kindness. Watch how God feels about people. Because that's, that's all this is, guys. Is go out and love people well. But then also, be unashamed to, to say, it's not just me, it's God. When somebody says, you are the blankety-blank, blankety-blank nicest person I've ever met. Say, yeah, but it's not really me. It's about God. Because God loves you, not just me. And here's the bigger thing. God is your ultimate answer, not me. It's not my friendship. My friendship can be healing. But God's friendship will last the rest of your life. And it's the only way to be truly healed. All right, let's do this song. So, Father, we ask for your healing. We welcome your diagnosis. Then we agree with it. And we welcome your healing, whatever that looks like. But then, God, send us out of this place as EMTs. Send us out of this place. Train us to be paramedics. Because, Lord, we live in a world that is hurting, that is dark, that is sick in many, many, many ways. Make us part of your solution, we pray, God. For your glory, for our good, and for the good of this world, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.